Oh, fuck, no bop. It's a cursed episode. <laughs> well. Hello! God damn it, Josh, it's my intro! a doom podcast both thorough and flippant and as i've said 10 million times if i've said it once feminist we are drinking our way through frank herbert's 1965 sci-fi magnum opus dune one chapter at a time because we feel like it uncovering the deepest of secrets and dune spiracies along the way i am your reverend mother for this journey the keeper of the water of life dr reverend mother banana moyam lily brislin I am joined by my two fellow dweebs, my fedekeen of this journey, Alec Boyle and Josh Stevens. Alec, introduce yourself and describe your fashion for the evening. My name is Alec Boyle. I am the Baron Har Vladimir Harkonnen of the airwaves. I don't know if that is, but of this podcast, certainly our ersatz organizer, engineer, sound editor, assorted creator of tunes and bells and whistles. Uh, I am wearing, uh, in honor of my recent arrival on the surface of the planet Arrakis, uh, a cape made of the flayed flesh of my victims. Full bad guy tonight. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. Strong fashion choice. (laughs) And our troubadour, Josh. Yeah, I'm Josh Stevens. Um, everyone's favorite, uh, ugly man lump. And, uh, (laughs) Fearless warrior wearing the drabest of drab uh, Atreides garb, and a former Lvov Krupan fame, and uh, I am excited to be back for a regular episode. Last week was really fun, and uh, I feel like I missed the book because I've been holding this chapter, like I've been waiting. I don't even know why. Ooh, holding it precious. If you're just rejoining us, or if you've missed the last couple episodes, it's been a wild journey. We've had a lot of visitors at the CH. We had Andrew... One of our, we've had many Stilgars, really, a lot of Desert Daddies parading through our little inner Siegstem. Andrew is amazing. We learned that all of Josh's brilliant tactical knowledge actually comes from his friend Andrew. <sighs> we have the brilliant brewers of Little Fish Brewing and Wolf's Ridge Brewing. We drank some primo, primo beer, Litany Against Fear, Folding Space. Oh, chef's kiss. Mwah. And now we get the treat of returning to the book, which we all love. So that's all I remember. I, it's been a couple weeks since I even read what we're supposed to read this week. So I'm going to make my dweebs tell me what we're doing this week. <laughs> Boyle, you got the, the quote today, it looks like. Yeah, I guess it does look like that. Um... Do we need to remind folks where we've been? I need a reminder. So last we left, last we left Paul, Jessica, the Fremen, Duncan, they were no, Duncan. holding Gurney? in a siege. Oh, Gurney. You'll know I'll never keep the name straight. Take it away, Josh. Keep the name straight. Yeah, no, you, you got it. Here, let's, yeah, they, they were, they're holed up, and uh, and I think it ends with uh, someone get my mom. Yeah, Paul, Paul kind of the last thing we had read with uh, Andrew with us was um, the the capture of Gurney, uh, shoddy securing of Sardukar, followed by the better securing Followed by Gurney capturing Jessica. No. I think nope, that's, that's, that's this week. Isn't that Lead this chapter? This week. Shit, see? I've been holding it for so long. <laughs> Cut that. Cut that shit right out. No, no, no. I'll think about it. Spoilers. So the Fuck. quote 
that we begin our reading this week with is, how often is it? How often it is? Sorry. Oh, God. Cut all this. Let's, Lily, can you please start over, please? Just just boop again. (laughs) How often it is that the angry man rages denial of what his inner self is telling him from Collected Sayings of Moadib by the Princess Arulan. I'm so glad you asked, Princess Arulan. My answer, pretty much every time. Pretty (laughs) much every time the angry man rages in denial of what he should know better. Yeah. She has some prescient questions. Clearly, I've forgotten what happened when, and it's a good thing I took some notes about what happened in this chapter, because otherwise there's no way I would have remembered it. So I'll give us our rundown. Yeah, this is maybe the first time (laughs) I've ever written anything down. Um, So I think in this one, the Fremen gather for like the CH MMA showdown of the year between Stilgar and Paul. Um, in one corner, Paul chills with his posse. In the other corner, Stilgar chills with his crew. Uh, Paul's mom arrives and she laments um, having to ride on the worm train instead of, because Paul won't let her ride in the thopter. Uh, she's real unhappy about it. And then um, Jessica's just getting real impatient with this whole showdown thing, wondering why Paul hasn't shown everyone what's behind door number one. Um, I'll let the cat out of the bag. It's everyone's favorite man, ugly man lump. Uh, gurney uh, but he doesn't make an appearance paul keeps the tension real high uh, jessica then approaches paul she has a lot of thoughts for him the crowd heckles paul paul is not having it gives us like this whole rousing speech about how killing the enemy and doing away with old traditions in order to um, preserve the strength of the tribe and he tries using the voice but then it turns out that using the voice isn't enough because the fremen are resistant to it so Paul has to also use logic, which <laughs> <laughs> not his strong suit. <laughs> not not his favorite thing to do, but he tries it out. He tries it out with the voice. Um, turns out, telling everybody that the beast has been beast has been cut off um, works, and logic prevails. Uh, then Stilgar's knighted. Uh, everyone yells and cheers. Yahya Chuhada. Jessica mourns the Duke Duke Leto. That sounds like the chorus of a Eurovision song. It might be. <laughs> um, <laughs> then Paul gives his Dune dudes orders to prepare for the arrival of the council. Uh, Paul tells his mom to go wait in his office while he goes and get something. And she assumes, again, that it's going to be, she's finally going to get to see Gurney. Um, and she starts to get some some real, real sad feels and thinks all about the past. Then coffee arrives. She gets a little happier. Um, then she starts hating on Chani. Misses her grandson, and then suddenly Gurney busts through the door, swiftly takes Jessica into a chokehold at knife point. Much confusion, words exchanged, accusations, traitor, threats. Paul saunters back in to discover something totally unexpected. Um, he manages to defuse the situation. Gurney's so remorseful that he asks everyone, asks everyone to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Paul gets all angry because he doesn't understand why everyone wants him to kill all his best men. Uh, everyone's crying and then relieved, and then Jessica asks Gurney <laughs> to play his balisset. La la la, literally. Uh, council arrives earlier than expected. Paul heads to the secret baby worm, dr- worm drowning basin uh, that apparently they have at every cave. And Paul is so shook by having not seen this whole Gurney mom incident and also knowing that his spice tolerance is getting so high. It's time to try or die. So he makes a snap decision to drink worm poison and become a Revmo like his mom. Wow. 
I mean, it was... Wow, Josh. It was not fast, but it couldn't be because this was one of those, like, four-book-long chapters. It was, so. yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a three-minute rundown, I think. But, um, yeah, that's what happened. I'm impressed. That was, uh, as we say in survey methodology, exhaustive yet moderately parsimonious. You, you, got, you hit all the high points there. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to have a drink now. Ooh. <laughs> Josh, what are we drinking? Mm. Well... Or are you it's... drinking something different from what I'm drinking? No, I'm drinking the same thing that you are. I guess okay. I want to know what you all think of it first. Is it cask strength? Drink, drink, uh, drink B. Explain to our listeners what's happening. So I sent. So I s- in a in a cruel and delicious. It's not cruel at all. It's a very generous uh, twist of fate. The try or die Quizette Hattersnack has been twisted around on me this week, <sighs> uh, along with the beers that we enjoyed. Just sent. Y'all can't see these, but there are two mysterious mysterious Alice in Wonderland bottles. One that I think says drink me and the other that says try me and die. So they don't say that, but that's what I imagine. And so I, Josh was telling me I was going to have to guess what they are. Alec has one of the two. I'm actually not going to make you guess what they are. I just want to know what you think of oh. them without knowing. Oh. So okay. we're, all, we're all drinking um, B first. Okay, I am drinking from what looks like a uh, either beautiful vanilla extract bottle or maybe like a large essential oil. I don't know what you, what did you have in this bottle? Ooh, ooh, um, all the, y'all, it's all that's ever been been in that bottle is bourbon and other mm. and other bourbon, but typically rinsed. So uh, yeah, so we're all oh, we're all drinking the water of life. How this goes? We'll, uh, we'll discuss what they are later. So my first question though was, what proof is this? It tastes like it's cask strength. It it is. Uh, no, it's ninety nine. Oh, hmm. it is. It is beefy for a night. It is a beefy 99. It's got some it's got some spice. I'm sorry for the silence. I am sniffing out of a mason jar. We, <laughs> we, we rarely have si- silence in this track, so I guess Boyle could technically cut that out. I know that's literally what the editing software does. You can we can be silent for 10 minutes right now. The software will just This is lovely. It, so. Ooh, there's I can't tell if it's the remnants of the red wine in this glass, but there's like a coffee aftertaste. It's, I don't find it to be too beefy. It's not too spicy, like high high alcohol, burn your nose out. No, it's it's not. Okay, so if I was if I was Paul and I crawled down to the baby wearing cave and I drank this as the water of life, I'd be very happy about it. <laughs> Would it put you in a coma for three weeks? No. Okay. That's wild turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a wheat bourbon or Ooh, a? Interesting. Good question. Or a what? Or a rye? Ah, uh, yes. The answer is yes. It's a it's a rye. Well, I mean, okay, so it's got rye in it. Um, this is a blend uh, of a twelve year uh, Kentucky bourbon, low low rye, normal normal bourbon, and then a three year wheater, and then and only twenty percent of that has the wheat, and then a three year uh, high That's rye wheat, high rye bourbon. So you got a high rye, it's about 40%, regular bourbon, 40%, 20% wheat. So I'm supposed to guess the distiller? No, just want to know what you think of it. Oh, I enjoy it a lot. I do like, it It has the the sweetness I like from a weeded bourbon. Mm-hmm. I love the, Makers is wonderful people. It's not one, they're, they're coming up with some newer specialty bourbons. Makers makes Makers, that's all they do, mm-hmm. but they're doing some other slightly funner stuff and I, I like the sweetness of it but I like there's a little bit of spice that comes with the rye in yep. that and it's pretty smooth for being relatively high proof which that's what I've learned about high proof bourbons is that they actually drink smoother than some of your lower proof ones uh that's 
that's probably true. Um, yeah, some of your your cheap, low proof bourbon can have some real. Burn. It's delightful. There's a little bit of toffiness to this. No one who likes Dune is going to want to listen to me drink bourbon, y'all. This is really good. It's good in a jam jar, which is what I'm drinking it out of. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I'm not like doing some fancy snifter thing over here. No. Okay. Okay. If if Water of Life was a bourbon, if Water of Life was a whiskey. We can open it up because actually it would probably be something like a scotch. What would you all pin it as? Hmm. I mean, it would be real high proof because I'm pretty sure it like flares the nostrils the second you get it anywhere near there. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like, I don't know, it's supposed to be gnarly. So I feel like it would be like some cask proof ile. Maybe, maybe, right? maybe like, like maybe as like a, a hardcore rustic as bag. possible. Yeah, it's a, hard, it's a hardcore Ardbeg uh, <laughs> variant or something. Do you remember that first time we had Ardbeg at your uh, your aunt's? I don't. Which ants? What is art bag? Art bag? Art bag is a scotch. Oh yeah, we were like ah. sipping that that monster for a while. You know, at their, at their space okay. bag and art bag. Here's a natural conclusion to this segment. I'm sorry, you tried and died. The answer is it's apple pie moonshine. If water of life is anything, <laughs> it's apple pie moonshine because it tastes like cinnamon. Oh shit! You're right. So it was fire. So it's fireball. It's it's. Oh no! You know you're right. You're right. It needs to be the moonshine. When I'm right, I'm right. Yeah, yeah, you got. You nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about pages. We've yeah. got pages to deliver. Come on, guys. Okay, so this our is audience the is waiting on us. I already told them everything about they don't know about the chapter. I don't even know if there's anything else. Okay, so this is where we res- we in theory resolve the tension of is Paul gonna kill Desert Daddy? What's gonna happen? How's it gonna play out? And the answer is why not both? So Paul establishes to everyone like we all know I could kill him. I could totally kill him. Everybody knows that. Everyone, I'm not bragging. Everyone knows. And Stilgar totally bad. hypes him up. Stilgar's like, oh, he could totally <laughs> kill me, but I won't. And I'm glad this feels like a nice step in the right. I think from the perspective of the book, which is a weird perspective to take, um, but the most important part of this section, it, it almost feels like he, like, Herbert gets rid of the Stilgar fight just because he realized he'd written himself into a corner. Like, it doesn't necessarily mm. feel like a thing he's real attached to. Mm. I think... I, I disagree. Okay. Um, go ahead. It's a very Atreides thing. This is very Atreides. I feel like this is the Duke coming out in Paul. Why? Paul doesn't want to kill his men. Paul... No, but I'm saying the only reason that this, the fight is in there is because Frank realized that at some point earlier he had written that there would have to be a fight. And he's like, oh, I got to defuse that. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like... I guess maybe you're saying, like, it shows Paul's... Okay, it shows Paul's dukiness in that he will fight to overcome this tradition yes yes it's, it's, it's against his his ducal nature he's he's taken on the ducal man uh mantle again he's he's donning the ring um he's yeah he's he's embracing his inner duke okay yeah i i see it i i can i can consent to that i was gonna say i feel like from a book perspective the more important thing here is actually the intercepted note about raban mm, and it's a throwaway I mean, it's the reason, but it does seem like it's a very minor part of it. But it ends up playing, like, because we're down to the wire here. There's possibly mm-hmm. only three chapters after this. Not many, right? Yeah, not many. 
and and some of the at least one of them after here I think is denouement. So <laughs> wait, what's the note? I don't remember. It's been three weeks since I read these. Shows. The note is they intercept something that basically says that um, the Baron has cut off Raban and will not be sending anymore. Got it. Um, and Paul, I guess, uses right. Paul uses this to motivate the Fremen, saying, "Okay, we can totally win." Right? They know they're losing. I trust you. Here's a question I want to ask in the interim. Uh, in the midst of this, when Paul's still trying to convince, when he's like announcing, like, I could totally kill Stilgar. We all know this. He goes through something. Many of you have been with me. You know this isn't an idle boast, blah, blah, blah. How else do you think I bested Jameis at an age when your boys are still fighting only mock battles? I am very confused about the timeline like what is the order of progression of fremen progression to adulthood do you ride the death defying worm and then you engage in mock battles and then you kill your elders is it simultaneous but apparently before you fought a real battle you're still more dangerous than like a harkonnen soldier yes because didn't he take on his like at 15 he took on his eight and ten year old sons as his like bodyguards yeah. Yes. So I'm not really sure what the hell he's talking about here. I think that he's just trying. He's trying to use logic, and he's not good at it. But it still worked because <laughs> he had a little <laughs> bit of voice. I have I have some things to say about other things that Paul's not good at when we get to the section with um, uh, Gertie and Mom. So remind Are me. Seeing the future. Put a pin in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put a pin in that. Well, I mean, I did say that like. That's what drove him to the drove him to the the worm poison. So he recognizes right, it. He's but, not good at it. Well, all right. I guess put a pin in this for two weeks because Shit. I have things to say about this. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert: Paul's never that good at this thing he claims he's good at. And then <laughs> one of the interesting things there is, right? Lily has often said. She doesn't necessarily think that he is clairvoyant as much as he is pretty highly analytic. Yeah. But if he also sucks at logic, he's just not good at anything other than, I guess, the old Atreides charisma. I think that we've just solved his terrible purpose. (laughs) (laughs) And that is to do a bunch of shit he's really terrible at. (laughs) He is... Maybe he is just in a classic, you know, rich, titled, white man way. He's just failing up. Failing upward, I was going to say. Failing up. <laughs> I think he's failing up, and I just want to trouble. I, I think, I still stand by, he is highly analytic, but he has trouble computing affective inputs. So if they are material inputs, softer wing speed, uh, inventory, troop movements, Political, political, economic. How to don your still suit? Because that was the best thing he ever did for his yes. entire trajectory. He has, he really, he he has been surfing that wave <laughs> for the last three years. Because <laughs> then I think, wait, what's the next thing he did? Oh, almost lost his pack and his mom in a like sandslide. Mm-hmm. Like he, yes. But when feelings get involved, or when interpersonal dynamics get involved, he's managed to read the Stilgar situation. So let's give him a little credit, like. He has managed to figure a way to not kill Stilgar. It's not super subtle. It shouldn't be, but it's it works. It works for him. It's a little awkward. So he lacks some of the nuanced emotional thing, which maybe, as we'll see in the next chapter, maybe when he looks the places where men cannot, 
he'll magically gain an empathic ability. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He will not. (laughs) Also, (laughs) has he become less empathic? Yes, I definitely think that I think mm. that that is something that has been consciously characterized. So this right? is him him losing some of his Benny Gesserit fine tuning, which is really where most of his stuff, like his powers and um, brilliance, mm. came from when he was younger, and he's now just on that spice, riding that spice high. Yeah, he's riding that spice high. I think he's also riding the I'm the dude high. Right? Like, that crowd chanting to him in the cave, he says it doesn't mean anything to him, but I I think it warps his brain not inconsiderably. Who wants to and fucking think, touch me? Yeah! Who wants to I fucking touch Frank me? Is, you guys. But I think Frank is doing that intentionally. Okay, sure. sorry, Lil. I, it's been so long since we have one of these I Have a World to Collide, which is in many ways inspired by our last um, super guests. Do Maybe it. Maybe Paul is becoming like Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen, Right? Like, the more universal perspective he gets on his analytics, the less able he is to accurately attune to the very finite, fickle, emotional swayings of us mere humans. Interesting. Uh, I I think that's certainly possible. Uh, Which then brings me... I have so much to talk about in two weeks. (laughs) This chapter and the next chapter are okay. The chapter after that, I have fucking feelings and... uh... Yeah, anyway, I, I think that's a very good wait. interpretation, Lily. Yeah. yeah. Come on, that was a good world's collide. We've only ever done like Game of Thrones ten million times over and maybe Firefly. I got a watchman. You did, it was great. I never Thank you. You what? I haven't seen He's it. he's never consumed any form. I tried of and died. Josh. I it's I've been on my list, if that means anything. Okay. Dear listeners. Forget about my family. I know that you tuned in to listen to <laughs> some science fiction and fantasy enthusiasts talk about things, and you have been let down. And we as the dweebs, we led him into our siege and, and we have let him do this emotional betrayal to you. I am sorry. I promise I'll consume it. Yeah, so like we were saying, you know, Dune. Oh yeah, what's up with Dune? <laughs> Riding the okay. old sandworm, am I right? Here's a clear cut. Alright, here's what I'm going to talk about. It comes back up. This is the thing that I am vexed by. I am highly vexed. Wow. The ducal fiefdom comes back up every time we think, we keep debating in this podcast, mm-hmm. Paul and Jessica, are they fully, fully Fremen? Are they about that Fremen life? Or are they keeping one foot in in the empire? And the answer is always they're keeping one foot in the empire. He's like, oh, it comes up. And, oh, shoot, I'm missing it. Uh, what I remember Jessica about, talks about yeah. his marriage prop- proposals, mm. but then it comes up, Paul's talking about his own empire. Heuristic. Who rules here? He asked. He raised his fist. I rule here. I rule on every square inch of Atreides. This is my ducal fife where the, the emperor says yay or nay. He gave it to my father and it comes to me through my father. The fuck I was the care about that? so embarrassed for him at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cringy. So cringy. <laughs> That is, uh, I did not articulate it to myself, but that is also how I felt when he brought that out. It's true. <laughs> it's like, these people don't care, Paul. Yeah, wrong, wrong, wait, he did not read the room. You think that, but then on the very next page, in one blurred motion, Stilgar had his Chris knife out and pointed it over the heads of the throng. Long live Duke Paul Muad'Dib, he shouted. That was just an assist. It that was going to so, fall uh, flat just, had Stilgar not given I, him. I do agree. I definitely think that was Stilgar being like, oh shit, I got to save this. <laughs> yes. 
but but I also think that what Frank was thinking was that this is the Fremen being like, okay, finally we have a leader who will get us recognized by the system. Mm. We've got we've got this guy, but he's also legit the guy. Right. The, the the families will acknowledge us because he is one of us. I don't think that it matters in the structure of the book, which is what's crazy, right? Like, yeah. Paul keeps talking about, like, oh, this jihad's going to go, right? If the jihad goes and the Fremen sweep unopposed and trample the universe, like, who cares about the old families? But Frank is not always consistent in his through line. Yeah. Well, as the incomparable Audre Lord said, a master's house can never unmake the master's house. And so the, if they're trying to find legitimacy through the zone systems, it's a it's a fraught project. But I think yeah, it's interesting, Alec. It's an interesting point. But also, I don't want... I want to come back to just how ridiculous. I've already said what I think about Paul Muadib as a Madonna Prince name. Long live Duke Paul. Duke Paul 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 Duke Paul And you know what? Duke I think Paul this Mondi. is the perfect time for a word from our sponsor. This is, <laughs> okay. this is one of our favorite sponsors. And I think just because Paul has fully embraced uh, his, his dukedom, it's, it's time to put everybody in a ducal mood. Uh, I got to put myself in a ducal mood. <laughs> With ducal mood, you'll receive a treat every month. A carefully curated box to help you discover your inner duke. Let us help you ride that Caladan wave as you slip into your Ducal Mood. Visit DucalMood.com and enter the promo code MYSON and get one liter John off your first three-month subscription. That's right. For just two liter Johns, you can find your Ducal Mood for three months. DucalMood.com, promo code MYSON, one word. Thank you, Ducal Mood. <laughs> Thank you, Ducal Mood. I'm so glad it's also monthly. <laughs> yeah, you need, like you need a monthly... Box of Ducal Mood. I feel like um, if we were more industrious, we would go purchase the URL DucalMood.com. If someone wants to buy that for us, please. Uh, yeah, one of our listeners wants to buy it. Or just buy it for yourself. We don't care. We don't really care. We don't need to run we'll the website. We'll sponsor you. But if DucalMood.com was a real website I could go to, I would be so happy with my life. I guess I should probably see if it actually doesn't exist first yeah well <laughs> it doesn't right so let's let's talk about real yeah and so then right. after the big shout-a-thon paul is like all right call all the dudes we're gonna have a we're going to war war which again another thing like a confusing through line lily like you brought up right like how escalated or not escalated right they keep always being like Oh, now, now the Baron's on double secret probation. <laughs> like, oh no, you thought we escalated the war, but now we're escalating the war. It's just like, how many tiers of war waging do the Fremen have? Well, you it's know how like many poison. words for poison T they have. Tomonsky or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tooth murky. Chow <laughs> murky. And yeah, they, they've got they've many words for, for their war. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's one more moment I want to just touch on because, you know, I like this, like, subtle kink that happens in here. So they have their, their detente. Stilgar swears to him. He calls him Duke Paul Muad'Dib, Duke Duke forever. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, he, Paul gets Stilgar 
to do an oath. He d- gets him to do like an empire-esque he oath. Him. And he talks him through the things. Yeah. And we get to, I dedicate this blade to the cause of my duke and the death of his enemies for as long as our blood shall flow, Paul says. Stilgar repeated after him, kiss the blade, Paul ordered. <laughs> Stilgar obeyed him in the Fremen manner, kissed Paul's knife arm. At a nod from Paul, he sheathed the blade and got to his feet. Moment. I mean, there's it's kind of, tension there. It's kind of ruined by mom crying in the background about how much it reminds her <laughs> of her dead husband. It all depends works together, on your cake, you know? Josh. Depends on it's cake. a melange. Something. It's a melange. All right. And let us never forget that once again, the bats on Sappho make a reappearance in this chapter where Paul gets the bats to go. Dis- yeah, first send orders, the Cialagas. Will always and forever send be those amazing. coked up bats all over the planet, man. <laughs> <laughs> from Dupont-Moody. And then... That was a bat. That was that voice. I don't like it, but it's the only one I have, so... Let's talk about... I want to hear you guys talk about Jessica meets her nemesis and your takeaways. Let's talk through that. Definitely not her case. nemesis. This is like, you know... Well, he thinks he's her nemesis. But my my most important takeaway from that whole exchange is actually from before it even starts, which is just when salty-ass Jessica... Who's still complaining about having to ride a worm instead of a thopter. She's so salty in this episode. Uh, yeah, and then she's like, <laughs> what can his desert woman do for a duke except serve him coffee? Just Yeah. Damn, like, she threw some that... real shade. You are in a ducal mood. She was, and then she calls herself out on it, doesn't she? Yeah, she yeah. does. She voices herself again. She's like, no... I love Chani. <laughs> so, Madib's a killing word, and Chani is is the is the love word that she tries to say to herself. It's the love word, right? Yeah. Like, no, Chani's great. Well, okay, I just want you guys to earmark a, a sentence here because it's going to be important later. Uh, Jessica, at the end of that exchange, says, "As long or thinks, as long as." Oh, also, this is a Josh. There's some italics involved. Oh, yeah. As long as Chani lives, Paul will not see his duty, Jessica thought. She has given him a son, and that is enough. For him. Parentheses there. I shall say nothing till we meet in two weeks. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Oh, Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. So then Gurney runs in, and he's all, I'm a stabby stabby. Mm-hmm. And he's he gives her her due, right? Like he's like, no, 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 no. I know what shit you can do. Don't you move a single muscle, even in like your throat or your your back. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. Small of the back gum jabar for me. I'm not falling for that shit. Oh, she's got um, what was that product that advertised with us, Lily? The yeah, what was your your gum subdermal needles for self protection? Oh, thigh jabar. Thigh jabar. There we go. Yeah. Thigh Yep. Yep. <laughs> so he knew all about that. He knew all about all the th- her little her little witchy tricks, and he uh, he was well prepared for her. Uh, definitely someone that gave her the respect she was due. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, but I mean. I have to. I have to piece so bad, guys. I hate to take a break. <laughs> we're so close to the end, and I'm just about to piss myself. Uh, go ahead. Don't, aren't you wearing your still suit? I'm so sorry. Aren't you wearing a still suit? Like that's yeah, should not even be an issue. 
uh, um, Fremtech is going to have our hide over this. Yeah, like, how is Lily not wearing her still suit during the episode? We've told her. It's, we're, we're contractually obligated. I'm wearing my, um, extra squishy muscle. Makes lots of... <laughs> <laughs> Mine's squeakier, though. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Lily's going to be so sad she missed that. I know. Well, I'll spring it on her. Talk to us about Gertie and Jessica. Now that we know that you're, I'm going to leave this to you guys was just a poorly constructed pee excuse. That really, I was like, maybe if I get them talking, I could sneak away and pee. It did not work. No. It did not work. No, and now we have to pay a fine to Fremtech for not wearing your contractually obligated. All right. Are you eating licorice or jerky? All right. Chocolate. Oh, okay. I'll take I don't. That. I don't care that's in your mouth. I just wanted to know what I was I do, seeing. I'm more concerned with okay. what you just did with it. <laughs> I set it aside. You just stuck it to the top of your desk. <laughs> What's Save that chocolate? What's that hatter snack? Yesterday's chocolate is today's hatter snack. <laughs> oh, see, I think this is. This is, you know, this is maybe one of our lower energy episodes, but we've really got that old dynamic going. We've got some good, chill, laughing camaraderie, and we're spending a lot of time making fun of the Atreides. This is what our audience tunes in for. It's what we, it's <laughs> what we do best, I guess. We're in a ducal mood. If... All right, here's something. All right, Alec, here's a question. Here's a quote to, for you all to ponder. Atreides loyalty is bought with love, while the Harkonnen coin is hate. Hmm. I wish the audience could see my face. I, do I know. Alec is... Because it sure feels like the Atreides coin is in fact hate. Oh, say more. The, the, the Atreides seem to... The beginning of the book, right? They say it like over and over again. Like, no one who hates the Harkonnens could not be loyal to the Atreides. Like, all they really look for in a retainer is, are you mad at the Harkonnens? Hmm. To, to the exclusion of almost all else, including, apparently, decent background checks. But, <laughs> but, even so, they do end up finding a lot of loyalty from people in spite of that. Even those who hate the Harkonnens and betray them and didn't want to in the first place. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, if we do a, num- a hard count, right, on starting retainers to ending retainers... Two out of the four original daddies betray the Atreides. You mm-hmm. I will fight on this one. Okay, who's the, who's the second one? Thufir Howitt. Okay. Oh, do we call him a betrayer? I do, because I you. also... Alec has more foreknowledge than the rest of us, and maybe... No, I'm, no, no foreknowledge. I'm basically entirely on uh, his last scene in the House of Atreides is a big old fight with Jessica, and then he spends the rest of the book working with the Baron and being like, well, I'm just doing this for revenge. But it's kind of like, yeah, but you're also kind of just doing it to save your skin. Like, you can say that over and over again, but who cares? But does he and- end up actually helping the Baron? Um, that is getting into... You're asking me for spoilers. Okay. (laughs) So... Because I would be willing to say, like, I'm never going to begrudge anyone for saving their ass in in a a zero-sum situation where it's literally try or die. 
and someone's like, you know what? Let me try to play this out. Let me see what my options are. I don't, I don't love a, I don't love a martyr. Like it's not, that's not really a thing that I even like in storylines. I find it kind of uninteresting because some of the most, most, I think interesting, compelling, powerful narratives in history are like people who have survived despite all odds. And so not that I'm saying Super Hobbit is equivalent. <laughs> yeah, I just, that's the thing. I don't know that Super Hobbit qualifies, right? He, he's a very high priced political consultant who switched employers and no matter how many times he says, oh, you know, okay. I really don't like my new employers, it doesn't matter. You're, you're still helping your new employers. I mean, here's the may, thing, but the maybe. difference, Alec, it's not like he got a could have gone and worked for a low low wage Fair. nonprofit. Fair. It was right. literally try or die. It was try or die, and you could say that his intent was to eventually screw over his. Sure. So I'm okay with love a long con. discounting Thufer here. And, you know, I'm going to say that it's really hard to blame Yui for his betrayal because his brain has been washed and unwashed and rewashed so many times. True. He has the brain scrambling. He's, He's not he, making smart decisions. He, he was Sook scrambled. Then he was possibly Betty Jesuit scrambled. Then he was Harkonnen scrambled. Like, he's been scrambled six ways from Sunday. And in the end, still tried to help as best he could. Okay, uh, that's an interesting argument. The, the, the argument that, like... He did his best to resist what he had kind of been made to do out of loyalty to the Atreides. Yes. Right. Josh, I am really touched. That is a profoundly empathetic take on Yui that I wouldn't have found I, and uh, yeah. I'm compelled by. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah well despite all of the machinations, all of the manipulations, all of the trauma that he's been subjected to, still in the end, he was looking for a way to do right by people. Yeah, and even if his initial motivation to betray uh, and do the Harkonnen's bidding, um, all of his actions were based on love. First for his wife, and then for his family. Well, his, 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 his adopted family, right? The- Josh! This is really beautiful, and you're really, I think you're, I, all of my brain is going in the differentiation. Like, yo, you're really right. I mean it. I'm in a ducal, I'm in a ducal mood. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our sponsors for this beautiful ducal mood today, because, right, the duke was going to die no matter what. UA was, wait again, let's come back to Wanda Wellington. Why? <laughs> yeah. <He> need... <laughs> Wanda Yui. Nope. Wanda Yui Wellington. <laughs> He wasn't for sure, for sure she was dead. And that's what we are led to believe is the... That was not it. It was that he was doing this to basically get her to be killed rather than be tortured or a slave. Oh. Oh. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. Okay. So he's got that impossible decision over there. He's got the the Atreides, which he loves for maybe no reason other than he has a profound human... Uh, love for people and he realizes this is the new narrative ua instead of a thousand deaths for ua ua realizes that the duke's gonna get got no matter what happens and better that ua does it he gets to uh use it to hopefully better wanna wellington 
He gets to use it to, sure, the dude's going to die, but painlessly. And he can save Paul and Jessica in the... And he's maybe like, kill uh, the Baron in the process. And maybe kill the Baron. And maybe kill I mean, the Baron. And he even knew that no matter what, he was going to die. In fact, one of his last lines to the Baron is, I knew what I paid for when the Baron reveals that his wife is dead. In quotes, because we don't actually know if she is dead. Um, but he knew that he would be joining her. That was his final, like comfort wow josh all right here's me with my tiny bottle that josh has given me i'm gonna pour one out for you this is a revelation he's the good guy he's the good guy of this whole story he is one of the most unabashed good guys when you get Mm -hmm. at it from the right perspective yeah as opposed to thufer who I, we just made a lot of apologies for being in a in a bad situation, um, but if anyone is the one that betrayed them, it's Thufer, Mister. I have all the information and am like streets ahead in my mentat knowledge. Accusing Jessica from the beginning, um, he was the one who wasn't loyal to the family. And think about after he switched jobs, how many innocent people's murders did Thufur preside over in the name of his alleged revenge plan? His alleged wow. I'll get to it later revenge plan. <laughs> Any week now he's time. gonna get his revenge. No, yeah. he Thufur definitely sucks. Um even if it wasn't flat out betrayal, he was not good at being loyal to the end. Yeah. Y'all have really turned, this is, you know, for a Loki Doomy, this has turned a lot of shit on its head for me right now. Good. I'm seeing a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. You're, uh... We, all right, all right, all right. So, to get back to the to the parade of daddies that's coming to the end of the parade, we see the, the calliopes coming up at the rear. I don't know if you actually watched parades as a kid like I did. Parade of daddies. And we've got... They even refer to okay. it as a circus in this episode, in this chapter. Okay, you did it again. <laughs> I'm gonna point. I'm gonna. I'm gonna visually point you, to one of the guys, and they'll say the daddy that you, I'm you, to you even called Arrakis the Atreides earlier, but I let it slide. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll edit myself in saying Atreides <laughs> over that. Or Arrakis. Arrakis. Damn yeah. it! Now I did it. What have I? What have I did? <laughs> You brain scrambling him too. You yeah. just you just uh, voiced Boyle. Okay. I've infected you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I mean besides the song, I don't know. What is interesting about Gurney's diehard belief that Jessica was responsible? There's nothing interesting about it. The only thing <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Josh is coming hot and ready today. There's nothing interesting about it. He so fired up because we said that Andrew was the actual interesting part of Josh. And now he's like... Oh, I was so... I was in such a ducal mood about that. But now I'm... I know. But now, Josh, you're really coming in your own. I feel like we inspired you. This is the ducal love that you needed to bring out your Quitsat Josh snack. (laughs) That's a thing. I think you oh, I shot guess whiskey the, out your nose. The um, thing I yeah. actually, actually, I'm going to give more credit to Josh. The thing that I thought was way more evocative in your 30 second rundown 
than the actual chapter mm-hmm. is that the way that the culmination of this standoff is just this like a crazy emotional breakdown moment for everybody involved. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like there's all this this three years of unresolved tension. There's Gurney's feelings of abandonment. There's yeah. Jessica hating being on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's like 30 seconds of tense, almost violence. And then everybody starts crying. And then Gurney goes and sits down in the corner and starts playing a song. Because and <laughs> because Jessica asked him to. Like, I know. Everyone needed it. And he's like, it's like oh, a real... I'll, go grab, I'll go grab my new, my new palace set. Let's do it. <laughs> It's a real, like, a stoner commune moment or something, right? Like, I was going to say, this is like an episode of Girls, but set in the CH. I mean, yes. And in, in, in another room, um, Stilgar is weeping into one of his wives' laps about being knighted. Like, he's, like, he's, like, thinking about kissing Paul's knife, right? Like, there's, like, this whole, like, everyone's just crying, and no one's even on the juice. <laughs> It's wild stuff. Yeah. Sober and speech. I yeah, I guess I didn't I didn't pick up on that or feel that when I read the chapter originally and it was only your <laughs> rundown that collated all of that for me. I think for me the thing that stood out the most was really just how salty Jessica was the entire episode. Uh entire chapter. I don't know, I keep, that's my uh my verbal slip here. Thanks to blame you for all the <laughs> an easy one all the slippage yeah um so yeah about that not being all that interesting it's not that interesting and it's basically gurney is accusing her because it was the propaganda put out by the harkonnens and 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 gurney was searching for it he said he paid high here's what here's what's interesting about it it's another instance of gurney maintaining unswerving loyalty despite being kind of betrayed and let down by the atreides right He's an yes. inner circle advisor, and yet the Duke never told him the truth, right? Paul never came to get him. The Duke oh. never told him the truth. But this was yeah. the entire plan of the Harkonnen to begin with. That was their letter to implicate someone in the inner circle. That was right, the whole point of the whole thing in the first place. Yeah. So it's not I'm interesting. Just like- it's just the way it was supposed to play out. It's the Harkonnen's plan. It's the Harkonnen plan that played out perfectly. Except Gertie and do I have the right name now? Yes. Gertie and Jessica were never supposed to have this detente, right? Right, and nobody ever acted on it. Yeah, this is beautiful. Oh, I have a whole new appreciation for this. What was interesting about this exchange, and I think we talked about, did we talk about this? The fact that Gurney hates everything that happened. His whole revenge plot is based on the Duke and Paul and Jessica and all of them being killed except there in front of him is Paul and Jessica which means that some of the information has been scrambled something's wrong and it should have maybe made him rethink something like if all of his revenge plot is based on Paul being right which I which is where I think the psychology of him still being a little bitter at being right that you did cut out abandoned right like yeah he goes a little further than maybe you might if you were, you knew you were trusted, right? He knows that he is loved, but not necessarily trusted. Sure, and he's and he's right. That is what ended up happening. So his feelings are justified, and his confusion, his confusion is justified. But I would not call his actions in any way a betrayal. It was all 100% out of his loyalty to the Atreides. Yeah, but 
I still think they were. That doesn't mean that they were rational. Um. All yeah. right. All right. My dweebs, my dweebs. We. I feel like we've had a beautiful arc of a conversation. Yeah, I this think, episode. I, well, I was gonna say I agree. I think Josh has maybe earned himself one or two more things, but we should. Uh, I want to prompt the one more thing yeah, now. But we should wind this up. Because last episode, you did a really lovely job on one more thing, Josh. It was an either or. It was actually quite quick. So oh, that was amazing. Lovely... I know. The way you sprung that game on us was so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, or are you one more thingless? I hate to say it. Ooh, um, did Josh get all his content you... out in the main body? What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It was so emotional, affective, beautiful, insightful, Josh exquisite job yeah i mean my, my one more thing will, will likely be uh, a song later so oh all right send us on the tune if you've enjoyed this episode of gom jabber with the mua dweebs boy do we have some dweeviverse explorations for you to see on our other episodes join us next week for another chapter probably maybe a guest who knows certainly some drinking certainly some dune and lots of laughs don't forget to check us out on instagram at gom jabber on Twitter at gom underscore jabber. Uh, you can email Josh randomly at gomjabberpodcast at gmail.com. I don't think anyone has ever done it, but I think he would die of joy if somebody did. <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> and I think that's all we got. You know what Later, I- nerds.